0: Before we get to Colossians, let me just give you a quick uh, overview of the book, some themes that Paul does throughout it, and then uh, we'll get going. Colossians is a short book. It's roughly 95 verses. Uh, it's in the Go Eat Popcorn of the Bible. That's how I remembered where it was when I was in high school. So Go Eat Popcorn is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So it's the corn. Um, and that's what we'll be looking at today, the corn. The uh, the book of Colossians is an epistle, that's just a church word for letter. So Colossians is a letter, and Paul was writing to this church, a new church plant in Colossae. Or Colossae. Uh, Paul was in Ephesus at the time he actually was in prison. Uh, now Ephesus is, uh, and Colossians is in modern day Turkey, and Colo- uh, Ephesians was on the coast, and that's where Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. And Colossians was about 100, or Colossae, about 100 miles inland. And so he's writing to this new church plant there. Colossians is an ancient letter. Um, ancient letters at the time had a specific structure. And you see this throughout all the letters in the New Testament, and you see this in a lot of Paul's writings. So I want to go over the structure real quick and give you some themes. Uh, the letters usually beg- began in this time by identifying the, the sender and the recipient. So Paul says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, these are the senders, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, The recipients. They would start then, they would move into an initial greeting. Uh, They would have a statement of thanksgiving. They would have a section on intercessory prayer where Paul says, we are praying for you, we're thankful for you, we greet you in the name of the Lord. And Paul does this in in his letters. He then goes on to talk about the supremacy of Christ. Um, And after that, he gets into the body of his letters, chapters 2 and 3. In this part, he, he presents the gospel And he gives some exhortations on how Christians should live in response to the gospel. Um, Paul does this, uh, he says things like, live in the gospel, clothe yourselves with compassion, pray, put on love, be gracious, don't be judged. So all these exhortations on on how to live out the gospel. And then usually ancient letters ended, uh, and this happens in chapter 4, with a, a sense of closing. And this is where the author usually would request prayer, uh, he'd give a wish of peace, a benediction, and he would actually sign the, the letter, which Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Um, and this is what Paul does in chapter 4. Now, you can see this throughout Colossians, and you can see it throughout Romans, and First Tim, Timothy, and, and many of the books throughout the Bible. So this is the, the structure of, of Colossians. Is that making sense? Great. Paul is delighted to be writing this letter. The fun thing about as you read the the epistles and the letters of Paul is you can sense some of his emotions, Uh, and so if you read Galatians in the Go Eat Popcorn, Galatians, Paul is actually kind of upset, and he says things like, you stupid, foolish Galatians, and so he's upset at them. But here in Colossians, in the corn, he's actually quite excited, and he's delighted. Uh, He's delighted because the gospel has taken root. He says that he's delighted because the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. It's taking shape. It's transforming lives. It's revolutionizing the city. And so Paul is excited. He's rejoicing that the gospel is there, is working, it's doing good things. And he's encouraging the Christians in this city to keep going, to keep nurturing the gospel, to to grow this fruit, to grow the roots even more. And Paul knows that the gospel is taking root for numerous reasons. Colossae was a city similar to to Chicago, and at the time it was one of lust and anger and greed and idolatry. And so, yet in this Christian community, in the church, this new church plant, these these ways of living were being replaced with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, acceptance of one another. And in this Christian community in the city of Colossae, uh, people of different races People of different backgrounds and family origins and cultures and socioeconomic levels are all coming together, and they're in fellowship, and they're caring for one another, they're interacting with one another, they're grieving with one another, forgiving one another, bearing with one another, and living with one another. And Paul says, this is the sign. This is the visible sign that the gospel has taken root and is growing. And so he's rejoicing in that. Now, not only is he rejoicing and delighted— That the gospel is bearing fruit and growing in the city of Colossae. But he's also sharing the gospel as a response to some of the false teachings and religious practices that were going on in the city. Now, uh, the culture at the time had numerous religious practices. and And you'll see how this weaves itself out as you hear Colossians in a little bit. But some people at the time believed that they needed to escape the world that the world around them, the material world around them, was evil. And so what they needed to do is they needed to believe in God so that they might escape the world to a spiritual and heavenly realm. Some people believed in a a secret and mysterious knowledge, that they needed to gain this secret knowledge, that they needed to to gain this um, mysterious, well, a mystery. They needed to gain this mystery and understand it so that they might gain salvation. uh, It was like a form of enlightenment. And some even believed that knowing this, this enlightened way would then help them escape the material world and go into the heavenly realms. Some people believed in salvation by works, that you had to work, 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 and be holy and do all these things to gain salvation. Other people at the time believed in the worship of angels. They believed that they weren't holy enough to approach God. So they would worship the angels instead, and by worshiping the angels they would become holy, thus they could then approach God. And so Paul, throughout this letter, is persuading his readers and his listeners of the gospel rather than these cultural religions. So Paul is presenting the difference between religion and the gospel. Sound familiar? Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Um, So the gospel, for Paul, the gospel is the response to these cultural religions, And for Paul, the gospel is not just another religious practice. The gospel is actually the person of Jesus. That the good news, the gospel is a person. So for Paul, over and over throughout this letter, he is proclaiming and preaching Christ. Because Christ is the good news in the gospel. Paul, in in chapter 1, even writes what scholars consider a hymn Uh, about the supremacy of Christ, a hymn. And he says things like this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, for by Christ all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Christ is before all things, and in Christ all things hold together. And as Pastor Peter has said, without Christ all things fall apart. And so Paul is preaching the gospel, he's preaching Christ. Preaching the gospel and proclaiming the good news is simply preaching Christ and proclaiming Christ. That Christ is the hope of the world, that Christ is uh, the hope of the gospel, and that Paul says that Christ is actually the key to understanding all of reality. <sighs> I don't blows my mind. Okay. Making sense so far? Now, Paul also presents that Jesus is the mystery. So here in Colossians... Paul is talking about this mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. Now, at the time, the mystery was this thing you had to know. It was the secret way. And if you knew the mystery, then you could get salvation. And then Paul comes around and says, there's a mystery, and it's been disclosed. And here it is. The mystery is Christ. And then he goes further, and he says, and here's even more. In verse 27 of chapter 1, he says, this mystery, which is, here it is, the mystery is Christ in you. So Paul is proclaiming Christ, all the fullness of the deity, the, the, the God, lives in bodily form and that Christ is the image of the invisible God. I love that verse. This is what I'm learning more and more as I grow in my faith. I'm learning that I really don't know anything. But the one thing I do know is this. The one thing I know, it's a mystery, but I know that God is revealed in Jesus Christ. I confess ignorance to everything else when I'm humble and honest. I confess ignorance to everything else, and the only thing I know is that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That's what Paul says. Now, Colossians teaches that the mystery is the person of Christ, the good news is the person of Christ, and salvation now is the person of Christ, for Paul, salvation is not something you earn or you work for or that you need to do so that you can escape the evil world. No, but salvation is given to us as a free gift because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Paul is reminding the Colossians that God has rescued them from this dominion of darkness and rather than escaping them into a heavenly realm, they have been brought in the kingdom of the Son whom he loves, the kingdom of light. And God, through Christ, has, has uh, uh, negated and erased our, records of, our record of wrong. He set it aside. He's nailed it to the cross. And because this gospel, this mystery, this good news, this salvation has been revealed to us, we are no longer under the power of the world, we are no longer under the power of the curse of sin, and we are no longer living in darkness. Salvation has come to us because Christ in the person has come to us. Okay, well, a couple more things. This is exciting. Now, all of this brings us a new identity. And we've been talking about the new you. And this is exactly what Colossians is talking about. That you are a new creation. Our old identity is no longer what we do or don't do, or or it's not based on what we have or any material things or our successes or our failures. Our identity solely is found in Christ and in what Christ has done. And so when God looks at us, God sees Christ. Colossians even says this, once you and I, we were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But now, God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. This is huge. We don't worship angels so that we can become holy and then approach God. We don't need to get our act together all cleaned up and be perfectly sinless before we can stand before God. And we don't have to have all be all cleaned up before God will accept us. Holiness is not something that we work to achieve. Holiness has been stowed upon us, not because of anything we've done, but solely by the grace of God. It is a gift that has been bestowed upon us. And our response to this is that we grow up into our holiness. So, cultural religions in in in, in the city of Colossae and in our city today teach you that you must achieve holiness so that God will accept you. But this is false. The gospel says you are holy, period. Now, live into it, grow up. This is such a cool book. Paul lays out the gospel. He tells us that Christ is the key to understanding reality. That Christ is the image of the invisible God. If we want to know what God looks like, look to Christ. He says that in Christ all things, everything holds together that in Christ this mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to us that this Christ has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, that this Christ has taken our sins and nailed it to the cross, and that we were alienated from God, enemies in our minds, but now we are wholly in God's sight without blemish and free from accusation. Paul does all of this as a way to cure us of our religious ways. And Paul does all of this in just one chapter. <laughs> like 30 verses. Ah! And this is the chapter most of us don't read. We skip to other parts of the Bible because chapter one of Colossians doesn't make sense. Colossians 1 and 2 presents the gospel. Uh, It's only four chapters long. Chapters 1 and 2 present the Gospels. Chapter 3 and 4 is to be our response to that Gospel. So we cannot read chapters 3 and 4 without knowing chapters 1 and 2. We have to read and understand chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians before we even try doing Colossians 3 and 4. We must know chapters 1 and 2 so that we might live chapters 3 and 4. Now we hear about this all the time, the difference between the gospel and religion, gospel and religion. And this is what Paul is modeling for us in this book. He's presenting the gospel, that we know the gospel so that we might live the gospel. But here is what we do, and here is what I do all the time. Colossians 3 is one of the most underlined books in my Bible. But when I, and it, and it does, it says some great stuff. It says things like, clothe yourselves with compassion. I can do that. I clothe myself every day. Put to death sexual immorality and impurity. Okay, I'll try. (laughs) Set your minds on things above. I think about things above, like whatever's up there. Do not lie. Okay, bear with each other. I don't really know what that means. Forgive one another. Put on love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Okay, I can do that. But doing those things is not the Christian life. It's not the whole of the Christian life. If I try to live this way, without knowing and understanding chapters 1 and 2, this is what will happen to us. We will become either incredibly religious, we will become incredibly self-righteous, we will think that we are better than others because I've followed this list and you haven't. We will simply, or we could simply give up on God entirely because we think, who the heck can follow that list? Screw this. Or we will think God owes us because I've done this. God, my life isn't going the way I want to. Look at what I've done. You owe me. This is not Christianity. This is chapter three without knowing chapters one and two. But chapter three is solely to be our response to the good news in chapters 1 and 2. We clothe ourselves with compassion. We bear with each other. We set our minds on things above and put on love because God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and calls us holy in his sight. Colossians 3 Colossians 1. We know Colossians 1 so that we might live Colossians 3 and 4. Know the good news so that we might live the good news. Know the gospel so that we might live the gospel. This is what Christianity is all about. So we can't ignore, it's so easy for us to ignore chapter 1 of Colossians because Paul is talking about these weird things about theological things but it's easy for us to go to chapter 3 and skip chapters 1 and 2. No, 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 no. We have to know Colossians 1 and 2 before we do anything else in the Christian life. So, the book of Colossians was initially read out loud to its recipients. And it wasn't until a couple hundred years ago that we actually read the Bible for ourselves. And so for thousands of years, The book of Colossians and the Bible was read out loud to the church and its recipients. And people listened to the gospel. They heard the gospel so that they could go then live the gospel. And so that is what we're going to do as we finish this sermon today. We're going to let the book of Colossians preach to ourselves. We're not going to do any exegetical work. We're not going to explain Greek or Hebrew or references like that. No, the word can stand alone and that's what we're going to let it do today. So my prayer is that as you hear the word of God, one is that I remember it. (laughs) So you can pray for me as I go through this. But that you will just simply fall in love with the word of God. That yeah, it's complicated and confusing, oh, but it is glorious and wonderful. That you will be encouraged by the good news of Jesus that you will remember the truths in this book and that you will be challenged to live out your faith, that through this recitation you will know the gospel so that you might live the gospel. So hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. And that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you first heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister in Christ and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once, you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm, not moved from the hope that is held out for you in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become its servant Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may know the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world rather than in Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Now, not with the circumcision done with the hands of men, but with circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed every power and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wait. Therefore, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are all a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen, and their unspiritual mind puffs them up with idle notions. They've lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, held together and supported by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you have died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Now, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you have been called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Parents, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide for your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so you may know how to answer everyone. Titicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our dear and faithful brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a fellow servant of Christ, Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Damas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that it is read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. New community, this is the word of the Lord. New community, as you go this week, remember you are holy in God's sight. And holiness is not something you have to achieve this week. It has been bestowed upon you. So live.